Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for joining us once again, and thank you for believing in me. I also want to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and my good friend, Drew Peterson. And I really do appreciate your support. And I do want to thank uh, Paul Cardall for the beautiful music that you're hearing at the beginning and the end uh, that you'll hear at the end of this Belief Cast today. Uh, he's a, a, a really an amazing pianist and worldwide, world known and he's allowed me to use his music. So it brings such a great feeling to these things. And, and, uh, but I also want to thank the listeners. Thank you for joining us and for always sharing and for the feedback and everything. It's been fantastic. And I try to answer all your questions and make this a better thing. And, but really this has taken off, not because of me, but because of the amazing guests that I have on. And today is no different. We have Cassandra Smith. Thank you for joining us, Cassandra. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, uh, for having for being on here. So you are the founder of Change Your Narrative, and you know Sandra believes that it's possible through guidance, mentorship, and the courage to walk through long the long journey of hope. She believes that she can inspire the youth and millennials alike that there is a way to overcome any obstacle, and I just absolutely love that. Whether it's addiction, whether it's you know, a limiting belief you're holding on to or a bad habit that you're struggling with. She believes that you can overcome anything. And I can't wait for you guys to see what she's doing with this change your narrative. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, she's been doing this for a long time, 15 years in youth crisis counseling, nonprofit work and mentorship training. Um, she's really just helping people change their stories, change the way they look at things and really making a difference in this world. So Cassandra, I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to get to share. Okay. Well, why don't you, well, why don't we start off? Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about your family. So I love it when someone asks, where did you grow up? My typical response is give me a year and I'll tell you where I was. Oh, okay. I moved 21 times before I was able to get my driver's license. Wow. Yes. Um, mm. My dad was in the upcoming, um, you know, computer science and had a big boom of technology through the eighties and nineties. So he moved a lot okay. and that meant I was homeschooled and graduated high school pretty early, started college early and just had a very different life, me and my younger brother. Um, yeah. But it also gave me a lot of adaptability and a lot of ability to, um, you know, be able to make changes and try yeah. new things. So I've lived all over California, Florida, Washington, DC, Pennsylvania, Georgia, wow. you name it. I've been all over. Yeah. And that sounds wonderful when you say it like that, but it, like you were saying, as a kid, you had to learn to adapt. And, and yeah. I know, and just talking with a lot of kids who've gone through that, it's at times it can be even kind of traumatic when you're kind of uprooted from your friends and kind of feeling comfortable yeah. at your school. Did you ever feel that way? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I just purchased my first home. Um, oh, congratulations. Mid thirties. Thank nice. you. And it was interesting to finally unpack everything that I owned pretty much so for the first time in my life. <laughs> and so it was good. You know, you learn what's important and not important. I know, I also lived on a tour bus for four years of my life. That's a whole different chapter. But you learn that you really only need like a suitcase and a laptop and you're good to go. Right, right. So I learned a lot of skills, but yeah, was it hard? Absolutely. Did I yeah. always fear new change? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a blessing and a curse. 
Right. So I don't want to let that slide the four years on a tour bus. <laughs> I want to talk about that. <laughs> sure. You know, but as you were growing up, I know around age 14, um, you started to kind of question like your worth and your place in this world. And I think a lot of kids go through that process. I think we all do some worse than others, depending on what we've been through, but describe to us what that was like and, and what was going on at that at age for you. Sure. I, uh, we had just moved <laughs> and I was <laughs> right. getting involved um, with a new community and a new group and it was great. Um, but there were some pretty hard economic things going on in the computer science industry at that time, created some strain, created a lot of new dynamics for my family. And I think it just created a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And I can't speak to everything where my family was, right. but I know for me, I'm very empathetic. I'm very sensitive. And right. as a kid, you can often take on and internalize responsibility. Um, that isn't right. yours. And as I was coming into my own and starting to understand dynamics and relationships more, I, you know, had the, the mistaken idea that I could control things. And mm. if I had just done this, or if I had been better, or, yeah. you know, if I hadn't asked for that, I wouldn't have created that argument or like, well, I am actually in control. No, you're not. But I was right. 14. So I, I just, I didn't have a huge community at that time. And I started to have a lot of dark thoughts about myself and struggle and um, go through my own mental health struggles and yeah. question whether or not it was worth it to keep going. And like contemplating very, suicide, like thinking of that. I wondered or? what would life be like if I wasn't around. Okay. And would that eliminate some of the pain that I had no outlet for expressing at that time? And I think as I moved through my story, I found ways to express that, but I didn't for a couple of years. And so that was just very dark. And I think when you're empathetic and you feel a lot, you're sensitive, right. it can get you in a pretty negative headspace. And I can definitely right. say I was struggling with depression um, and anxiety. So it was, it was a rough time for a good number of years. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that's very common, especially right now with what we're dealing with in the world, there's a lot of anxiety Absolutely. and depression going on, as you well know, and that fuels a bunch of un healthy behaviors and, sure. and people. And um, so as you're going through this, does your family know, does your parents kind of know that you're really having a rough time or is this something yeah. you kind of kept to yourself? I kept a lot of things to myself. I tend to be a personal processor. Okay. I always have, I think it's probably what makes me a decent writer is I, you know, I'll <laughs> think about something until yeah. I have all the pieces in place and I was confused. I mean, I was 14, 15, 16, 17, and you have no clue what's going on in life and right. feeling a lot of things and hoping a lot of things and wondering a lot of things. And I just, I didn't share a lot. I didn't know how. Um, and I think that probably each member of my family was processing their own things in their own way. Yeah. And I, I think there's a responsibility for family members to be there for one another, but I think we were all in such an interesting spot during that time. Yeah. And so I did not communicate well. <laughs> and what did make a shift for me, however, was I did have a mentor, a youth pastor actually reach out to me when I was about 17 oh. and kind of gave me the space to learn how to say things when I wasn't okay. Um, and I also started going on various youth outings and weekend conferences. And all of a sudden I started to they were the target audience for those conferences was teenagers. And so they were talking about a lot of the things that I was feeling. 
Right. And since I was homeschooled, I wasn't in school. This gave me some language that I think I needed at the time. Yeah. And gave me a ways to start outletting all of that pain that I'd just been storing instead of communicating. It's amazing what can happen when someone reaches out to someone, just you oh, know, yeah. that youth pastor reaches out to you and how, if, I mean, we could say other people could have reached out to you as well, but had he not done that, who knows, right? What would have happened right. to your life? You know, where, what right. direction it might've gone in, but it's kind of cool how to see from that point. Um, I would, is that when you started kind of, you know, wanting to give back and reach out to other people? Oh Yeah. I think for me, so a pivotal like aha moment in my life would be, a, I went to an event in Cleveland, Ohio when I was 17 okay. and which actually was the 20, 20 years ago. So it was November 12th, <laughs> 2000. And so like, I just had my, really? my 20 year like anniversary of hope, I guess. Right so it was like a big moment for me. Um, but That's in awesome. that they talked about what, what is the purpose of life? What do you want to live for? And I had just been sinking in so much pain. I didn't know what to live for. So it gave me that, um, yeah. that hope that I needed um, and set me on a different trajectory. And I really felt like, what if I could do something like this? What if I could be part of a message? What if I could help yeah. other people? And to me, I felt like that message didn't place in my heart. Like there was something to go do. Right. And so that did then put me on a trajectory to go, okay, then I'm going to get my bachelor's in psychology and okay, I'm going to join this group somehow, someday, some way. And it took me five years to do it, but I did it. And I'm going to stand on that same stage. And I did it. And just like wow. something to live for, which then put me on that tour bus, like something I could go and do instead of just only feel yeah. like feeling is important, Sure. but fueling what you're doing mm. towards something that's positive and to give to somebody else. After that event, um, you know, I did start, reaching out more again. I spoke with my youth pastor a lot and um, just started to like plan. What do I want to do in life? And at that same time, you know, she just gave me such a, um, an opening to work with, you know, to stay on with the youth group and do, you, I know you're turning 18, but you're in college for another couple of years. Do you want right. to, do you want to hang out? Like there's a whole bunch of 12 and 13 year old girls who aren't that much different from you. Right. Do you want to go hang out right. with them? We need someone else to drive another car or be a chaperone <laughs> in a hotel. And, right. and you know what? I started to realize that these, these little girls were that for me. And we started right. talking and I started feeling like the, the power of sharing your story. I didn't have a lot of answers then, but looking at some precious little 12 year old and going like, no, there's a reason to live. Yeah. It, it changes you when you get to not only believe it for yourself, but then pass that on to someone else. So I, I was very fortunate to get to start doing some mentorship pretty early. Yeah, that is really young. Doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I was about 18. And uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. But you know what? Like they, kids just want somewhere to talk about. For sure. Twilight and Hunger Games <laughs> and whatever the new thing is. And yeah. And, yeah. And you earn trust that way. And then you can actually share one another's stories. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's like, it's, it's so powerful when we can connect with someone and yeah. it's typically the most powerful connections when we're doing something like, even like you said, just sitting down and spending time listening to these girls and the struggles they are going through yeah. and how you were probably sharing. I can relate because I've gone yeah. through some of the same exact things. Or but, I'm going through it now. Or even still. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I just, I love that, that, uh, so 
obviously you, you started having these, like, I'm going to be on that stage. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And so you mentioned this led to being on a tour bus. Describe that for us. So the event that I went to when I was 17 in Cleveland um, was a national youth um, event. It, at that time it was called Acquire the Fire. Oh, and huh. I, the I was fire. like, okay, I want to, I want to do that. It, it's not in existence anymore. Um, the closest relatable thing would maybe be Winter Jam, which some of your listeners might yeah. know about that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, love it. But That's cool. I, they did these dramas that were about, you know, youth culture and what do you do through situations. And I was like, I want to do that. And I am not really the type. I do want to stand on the stage. I do want to speak and share my story, but I don't like the spotlight, but right. I wanted in that drama. <laughs> so I um, applied to be part of their internship and spent okay. a year in Texas working with them and then wow. applied to be part of their production team. And I spent multiple years on that bus and traveled all across America and stood on that stage, did the drama for a couple of years and then actually wow. got to road manage and then lead the team that then did that later in my late 20s but that you know again like gave me a way to communicate and to hear stories it wasn't no longer just a 13 year old girl in a youth room or a starbucks or a mcdonald's it was like all of these kids and all these youth leaders in arenas in every city in the united states saying the same thing saying we are broken we need help we need to find hope that lasts more than a weekend this was great but what do i do with my depression on monday when i get home yeah and so it gave me such a, a lot of insight, but also somewhat of a burden right. to start listening and figure out, okay, wow. what do you do beyond an event? And how do we actually create something that's going to help someone work through it and process what I call the long journey of hope? Like yeah. you feel hope and inspiration in an instant, but it is For a sure. long pathway to go find wholeness. Boy, that's very well said. I think a lot of us get that way where we feel motivated in the moment. Like they, they probably yeah. hear you on stage and they're like, wow, that was incredible. And like you said, I love, you said it so well that, you know, what am I going to do on Monday when things yeah. start going down and I'm, I'm in my same environment and, you know, Cassandra's not there to pump me up, you know, so to speak, what am I going to do? Right. You know? Right. And so, but I believe it's possible. You just need someone to walk with you. I had that. I had a couch. I had somewhere I could go and sit down and go, this sucks. But how do we form those spaces and those environments for each other kind of became like the question that just (laughs) wrangled in my head again and again. Wow. That's amazing. So obviously you have a passion for helping people and it started young because someone reached out to help you. And that's kind of cool to see that correlation. But as, as the years go on at this point, um, once you get done with the tour, that was four years, you said? Yeah, on and off. There were different years of my life. Okay. Going and coming back and going and coming back because I loved it. <laughs> yeah. um, but that ended in 2011 was my okay. last year with the company. Okay. So what, from that point, what did you decide to do? I mean, obviously you still want to help others and make an impact. Sure. So what were you thinking of doing at that point? You know how like sometimes you have a plan for your life? And you think like, I've done something, I've lived my dream and I'm going to go and go to a new mountain and live my dream again. That was not what happened. I actually (laughs) had to, I left my glamorous tour bus life, which I say glamorous in quotes, um, (laughs) because it's actually a hard life. Um, But I left my glorious tour bus days and the only job that I could get was to work at Walmart. It was such a weird season to go from one thing to another. Yeah, I can imagine. That's a quite the change. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
that lasted only a couple months because I couldn't really hack it. But <laughs> someone offered me a position um, at a local church. And I actually didn't know if that was the best fit for me at the time. I have very strong belief and I, you know, that wasn't the problem, but I just wondered, is this something I can do? Is that something I really want? And they said, listen, I love it. You know, the, the pastor, he told me, all we need you to do, I just need two months. We just have to get them through summer because kids are off in the summer. Like they, sure. they needed help. Yeah. And I'd been sitting there telling them stories from my road days. I'm like, you have great ideas. You know how to connect. This will be awesome. And yeah. I'm like, Yes. So how do you do that in Amish town, Pennsylvania? And but they they laid the course for me. They said, all we need is two months. And the only measure of success is whether or not you can love them. Just go love them. We don't, we don't care. Like, obviously speak truth in their life. Don't be crazy. But like, go take them to movies. Go take them to Pop Pot. Go take them to McDonald's. We don't care. Just pour into them and you'll be successful. Yeah. And I questioned a lot of things in my life at that time on what success was and where I should be doing. I was in my late 20s. Yeah. Like, what's my career path. I had no clue. I'm working at Walmart, <laughs> but I, I said, okay, like two months. Sure. It ended up being six years. And you know, what I found is, you know, I walked with some students from sixth grade to graduation right. and it was such a completely different experience to go from being with students and millennials in college age for a weekend in an arena filled with two to 30,000 Wow. versus being with the same students every Wednesday and Sunday yeah. for two, four, six years and learning what an investment is to yeah. really connect and pay that price when there's mm -hmm. pushback or when yeah. it's hard or when they need um, correction or rebuke. Yeah. Um, not, not to be harsh, but like to parent almost. Yeah, um, sure. It's easy to stand on a stage and say it for a weekend. It's hard to live it for six years. And so <laughs> yeah. it challenged me. Yeah to really understand what is it like to walk beside someone and really nurture um, yeah. their journey. And so that's yeah. kind of what I did for about six years and then realized mm -hmm. that that season had come to a close. And I started looking at, okay, what do I really want? I, it's kind of big girl questions. What do yeah. I want in life? Right. And I stepped away from just pouring into others, even though I love that. Sure, I, sure. It was kind yeah. of consuming me and changing, changing who I was to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and I decided, okay, if I had one message for the rest of my life, what would be worth really investing in? And for me, that was changing narrative. So that's kind of how I got to where I am today. Yeah. And I want to get into that. I'm excited to have our listeners hear this. So is it fair to say just, you know, from stuff that I've studied up on you is you, you, you mentioned you started studying like eight core, like issues with the intent of trying to figure some things out. Is that studying those core issues? Is that what led to change your narrative? It is. So it do, you is. Mind, do you mind sharing with us what those core issues were sure, and, and it how is. that led? And then, and then let's talk about your company. Sure. Yeah. So abuse addiction, anxiety, bullying, depression. I call it image matters because I don't really want to call it eating disorders because the truth is you can have an eating disorder, but you can also just have, you can struggle with your image. I love me, that. Same thing. I love that. Um, so image matters, self-harm and suicidal ideation. To okay. me, those eight were pretty representative of everything that I had heard across the country. Yeah. And I had heard from my students and I had heard from my interns when I had managed. So yeah. those yeah. kind of the ones I wanted to stick with. 
Sure. And what a training ground you had going on tour, talking yeah. to all walks of life, all different types of kids, ages, male, female, yeah. you know, and hearing their experiences. And I think that's so well, clear had, that that's what you noticed. I had a really unique opportunity that I don't think I've never heard of anything like it. Maybe, um, what was it all? Have you heard of Post Secret? I have not. A Post Secret, a guy basically took out an ad in the newspaper, um, yeah, maybe like 10, 15 years ago. And he said, send me a postcard with a secret that you've never told anyone. Oh. And it's interesting. His yeah. books are pretty cool because people really reveal their lives. That's probably the closest thing I can think of um, that okay. <laughs> relates to the story I'm about to tell you. But when I was on tour one year, um, one of the like exercises in one of the speaking sessions was they asked people to write down their letter to God. Like what, what's one thing you want to like unburden yourself with and something you just want to right. kind of get out there, yeah. which is great. It takes me back to my 17 year old. I was like, I didn't have a way to express what I was feeling. Right. Yeah. And so they gave them that tool. What happened is a lot of the students and, and individuals in those crowds, they left those letters. They didn't take them. And so I actually ended up finding thousands upon thousands of these letters on the ground every weekend I collected them they're precious to give you people's stories right and that it did turn into an early title that I worked on a couple years ago a book that I had released but for me that gave me so much insight into what are the core issues I know exactly what everyone's struggling with because they ask for help for it so it's unique it's a little bit different but it, it gave me a lot yeah, what an opportunity and, and, and what, like I said, what a great way to try to get yourself in the position what you're doing now. So, so you have this, I don't know do you, if you call it an organization or a business or what it is, you know, change your narrative. Describe yes. what that is and why you even named it change your narrative. And let's, let's talk sure. about that. I'm excited for so this. So I was <laughs> um, talking with two of my girls when I was a youth pastor in Pennsylvania. Um they were both sharing some pretty heavy things. It's their story. I won't go into it, but it, yeah. it's one of those moments where you go, you know, there's some significant abuse happening and I feel overwhelmed listening to it. So I can't imagine what it's like to live it. Yeah. And you feel that pressure of trying to find a way for someone to heal, to have hope. And they're revealing something very difficult in their life. And I, I just remember feeling somewhat at a loss trying to meet them where they were empathetically, but also with practical help and also wanting them to know, like, I love you, this should, should never happen to you. Yeah. Um, and I remember going on this long rant in the middle of it. <laughs> I don't remember the rant, Okay. but in the middle of it, I just looked at them and said, you need to understand, like, I believe in you and there's hope in your life. And I believe you have what it takes to change your narrative. Wow. And somehow that just clicked and resonated with me. I remember writing it down that night and going like, that's it. Like, if you believe that you have the power to shift your story, no matter who did what, who said what, no matter what you've done, if you believe like, no, my life is not over because it's not defined by what other people have said to me, then you really can make that shift. You really can change any story that you're in and find a new way through. Wow. That's beautiful. That speaks my language too. And I, you know, when I saw the the name of, you know, you sent me your book, which is fantastic, by the way, and, yeah. and a couple other supplement books on top of that, which I want to talk about as well. But uh, change your narrative. I really do believe the most powerful force in the human psyche is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. 
-hmm. And that's ultimately what you're saying. And uh, I, I just think this is such a great thing that you're doing. And you're, you're tagging all those core issues, right? Addiction, abuse, anxiety, yes. you know, yes. image, you know, issues and things like that. And so tell us like, you know, now that you've started this, like where, where has it, where is it now? Like, and what, what are you doing? What do you hope to see from this? My hope is that whether you're personally struggling with an issue, whether you care for someone who does, because I think both need help. Because yeah. we all love someone and we yeah. all don't, we all want someone to live that life with wholeness, no matter which side that you are on. I want to provide a way to process so that you can work through your story. I had someone who did that for me. Like yeah. I said, I had a couch somewhere I could go where I could talk right. about my story. Yeah. Um, and then I hope to provide that for all of my girls that have had over you know, 10, 15 years. We would typically meet at Starbucks because who doesn't love it? But like to provide that yeah. space yeah. and to talk about it. Well, what I, is I kind of started to back up and look at what story did I want to tell? How, what, um, I hate to say the product, like what message could I create? I recognized people need a process. They need to work through a structure, right. but yet it needed to be fluid enough that they could see themselves in the story, no matter what background they came from. Right. I also recognize it's really important to have someone to do that with you. Just reading a book okay. is cool. Now I write books. So like, I want people to read books, but do we really read? I don't know. Like <laughs> what's easier to read an article online or to read a book in your hand or to watch YouTube? Honestly, what would yeah. you rather do? Yeah. And so I started looking at, could I put myself in a book? Could I sit there and tell someone, I will sit with you. If you were sitting with me right now at my kitchen table, and we were to talk, what would that look like? What would it look like? Which, yeah. And so I started to find ways to incorporate YouTube into my writing. So okay. you could read a little bit and then watch a little bit and then yeah, read a little bit like and then that. process and then watch a little bit and then process some more. So it really was this back and forth of connection and you're not alone, no matter how dark your story might feel, yeah. you can find that way to hope. Yeah. Well, I like the, I like that approach because, you know, and I've done this with your books I've read and then I went to YouTube, I've read, yeah. I went to YouTube. And what's cool is it's, it's kind of nice. Cause it's kind of like a, just a shift in my attention, but now I get to see you actually say something and I get to know you better. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is the woman who wrote these words, you know? Yeah. And then, like you said, I start feeling probably a much stronger connection with you that way versus right. maybe if we didn't have the the video portion of what you're saying. So sure. I really love that approach. Have you found that that's been effective moving forward with that? I have. I only officially launched a couple of weeks ago, really. And so okay. I'm still gathering feedback. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> but so far through some of the, the tests that we've run, people said they felt like they weren't alone or they felt like we were having a conversation instead of just okay. being talked at. Yeah. I also think it's really important and I don't, I don't want to be the hero. Um, but I do think it's important when someone looks you in the eye and says, I believe in you. Yeah. And I would like to offer that to people and say like, no, I really do believe that you have what it takes to make it through. And sometimes yeah. just seeing that is so much better than reading six words on a page. Boy, I love what you just said. And you just hit me right in the heart because mm -hmm. When I, and again, this isn't about me, but I just have to share this part. When, when I was overcoming my addiction, I had one person that told me, I believe in you. Yeah. And that was the one thing 
that I was hanging on to yeah. that got me through that difficult time. So when I heard you say that, man, boy, you hit me. But I, I think that's also the most powerful thing we can do for other people is let them know, I believe in you. I know you can do this. And like you, we said in the beginning, you can overcome any obstacle. You really yeah. can. You just maybe need the right tools and the right approach. And boy, you have, you have really, like when I'm looking at these, you know, you sent me your book and also you have these supplement books that go on top of it, right? Like just yes. specifically with the core issues, right? Yes. You know, like for instance, this one that you sent, it says, someone I care for struggles with addiction. What do I do? Yeah. Big question, right? But what I love about right. this, you have all this information, including several YouTube videos that go yeah. along with, here's what you can do if you know someone who's struggling. Listen, I do not want to be the end all. I, I cannot be the end all. I would rather have a collection of resources that I can point people to. One of the things that I, I say again and again in the books is as care workers, like as people who love others, whether we're parents, right. pastors, friends, spouses, it doesn't matter. We can't fix it all. The best thing that we can do is learn how to point and point well. Right. And I would rather point to the experts and go, they've lived it. I, I have not personally struggled with addiction. I've struggled with other things, but I would way rather, you know, point to someone yeah. like you who's got a powerful story where you walk that journey of hope and you yeah. know what it's like to reach the other side and you can address it better than I can. I would way rather go, he's your man. <laughs> and if I yeah. can form that hub yeah. of resources and that collection where people come to me and then we send them right out, I'm good with that. Yeah, no, that's beautifully said. Again, I mean, this is amazing. I was reading in your book that you... Uh, you put in there, uh, schedule some silence. Yes. Talk about that. Why is that so important in all of this? I, you know, it could be my own personal style, but I guess you get to do that when you're the author. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> pretty much. I have found that for me, I have to schedule silence. I have to, and right. I, that's not like putting myself in time out or prison or, <laughs> you know, like I'm not good enough. It's more of, I need to allow myself the permission yeah. to be quiet. Right. And the thing is in the quiet, things can surface that you don't want to, um, but sometimes it needs to, or sometimes you just need to breathe and go right now, I'm going to be quiet. And when I say schedule silence, sometimes that means you play your favorite music. I'm just saying, like, you right. need to find that place yeah. where you go, I'm okay. And I can breathe, Right. which is going to give me the, the ability to find courage to go tackle a hard problem. Right. I think sometimes when we're quiet, I mean, we're so busy, social media devices, you know, earpods in our ears and our heads, phones <laughs> in our hands, like we can connect and be busy. 24 seven without a single breath, but right. where do you have the time and the space to actually process your story? Processing your story takes time. It takes space yeah. and you have to give yourself permission and see it as a valuable investment to give yourself that time and space. It's not wasted. If you don't hang out with friends or if you don't build that project, or if you don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm not saying be irresponsible, but I'm saying, give yourself that, that room and that yeah. environment to go, I'm going to to work on me, not yeah. because I'm a bad person or because I'm failing, but because I actually want to beat this and I want yeah. to make it through to the other side. So if silence yeah. is what it takes, if 30 minutes a day is what it takes, if a weekend with my phone off is what it takes, I'm worth it. It's worth it. Wow. Beautifully said. I love it. 
you know, um, if, if you're looking back on your story, obviously, and, and I know we're just hearing parts of it and there's so much more to your life and, uh, and the amazing things that you're doing. I want to ask you if you could go back and change anything, would you? I'm sure. I'm sure there'd be something. Um, <laughs> I wish I had like, the, you know, everyone wants the wisdom that you have now earlier in life. Yeah. I think, I think that if I had believed that I had more worth and value earlier on, yeah. I wouldn't have tried to prove it or get that acceptance from gotcha. other things that weren't necessarily healthy. Yeah. I think if I had raised my hand sometimes and asked for help, I probably could have found answers. I think, you know, I'm very excited that I got to take so many risks. I, you know, my parents, they, my dad was a professor after he did computer science for a while. So I got to go to school for free. So like I, that gave me the ability to take risks in my twenties. And I'm, I'm pretty proud of the risks that I've taken that have led me here um that's awesome but yeah i mean i think the things that we say into ourselves our internal self-talk probably could have changed a lot of that a lot of quick faster and it might have given me more courage right so thank you for sharing that by the way i you know what do you do during the and i know you explain this in your book but like you know you wake up this morning right Mm -hmm. you know it's the day before thanksgiving here we are what do you do to make sure your narrative is where you want it to be, where it's positive and strong and healthy? What is there something you do to make sure like, how do you start your day? I guess is what I'm asking. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I think it changes from day to day. I think it changes from season to season. Yeah. I know for gosh, most of my life I have lived with a Bible and a journal by my bed. because it's hard for me to sleep um and so a lot of times i just need to process things and figure out stuff um in the morning i like to read for a little bit before like i actually put my phone by with my bible in my journal because it's like i can choose to pick up social media first (laughs) and see what the whole rest of the world is saying or i can like find some peace and i can be okay and uh that's been a really great habit for me Sure. But then just journaling. Do you Um, mind if I ask you what, what's one of your favorite Bible verses? Oh gosh. (laughs) Um, You know what? There's a really great verse in Isaiah. I want to say 43, somewhere in the beginning. Um, But it says, I'm going to paraphrase because I'm not reading it. No, you're good. Um, But it basically says like when you walk, through the fire, you will not be burned. And when you walk through the flood, it will not overcome you. And like, I love that because you can't escape the fire and the flood. Like it's coming. It's there. That's just all there is to it. But I feel like I'm connected to my source of hope and that I'm not alone and that it's not going to overcome me and I won't drown and won't be burned, but I'll feel the heat. I'll feel (laughs) the waves. Yeah. But that that's really something that I've clung to for a very long time because I think for so long and especially sometimes in the faith community I think that we think oh like if I'm connected to God like I'm not going to have problems no that's not the point the point is you have someone with you in the problems yeah and that has been a perspective that's kept me going for a very long time beautifully said I love that so obviously your faith is a big part of your life 
you know, and it's, yes. it's one of those things that you kind of stand on as one of your foundational, you know, I guess, you know, things in your life that keeps you going. Right. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I, and I love that, that that's, that's how you do things. And um, how, how has that influenced? Has that always been an influence in your life, your faith, even when you were younger or is this it something has. that came later? No, I was, you know, I was raised in a home where that was foundational to us, but I think that everyone comes to a point where you recognize, is it your family's belief or is it yours? Yeah. And I know that that was something that I did struggle with in my teenage years. Again, like I, yeah. you think, I don't know who, no one says it, but there's this subtext somewhere in our brains. It's like, well, you shouldn't suffer if you know God, like, but that's right. not true. Yeah. And I think I had been suffering with that or struggling with that in my teenage years until I recognized like, no, it's not right. that you're avoiding pain and suffering. Like we're broken people and we're going right. to go through things that are unfair and unjust, but the only person who can help me make sense of it and who, can, who will never leave me alone and who has brought me to the point where I've actually processed out a lot of junk in my life <laughs> right. was was God. And so from that, that was what fueled me and gave me hope and figuring out what he said about me was more important than anybody else. Gotcha. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. sharing that. Yeah, that was awesome. For sure. Well, if someone wants to reach out to you and find more about you, um, change your narrative when they, you know, can you like direct them to sure. what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, changeyournarrative.org is my website and there's a okay. contact page on there. There's um, an Instagram, Change Your Narrative and Facebook, Change Your Narrative. I was yeah. lucky to be able to get all of them. Yeah, um, that is lucky. Good job. I know it's, <laughs> it's hard to do these days, yeah. but um, yeah, like I welcome hearing stories. Uh, very early on, a, a friend of mine, and maybe 15 years ago, his name's Jeremy. And he told me, you know, you are a collector of stories. And I didn't quite understand at the time how yeah. much he was right. Like I love yeah. leaning in and listening to people's stories. I can't always do anything about it, but I love you know hearing how people are doing. And I hope that the tools that I've created can partner with those stories and be a source of inspiration, education, and connection so that everybody can find wholeness. Yeah, absolutely. If you could give uh, a, one of our listeners, I'm sure there's someone listening to your story right now who is having a rough time, sure. whether in their struggle with a lot of these things that we've, you've been talking about and things that you've been helping other people on. If you could say, I mean, you've said a lot of beautiful things up mm -hmm. to this point, but if there's something you could tell this one person right now who feels hopeless, what, what, what could you tell them? What, what would be a message you'd like to share with them today? Um, you know, first, I'm going to say two things because I think I can. Perfect. Um, but the first would be like, if I, if I was with you in the room right now, I would want to sit down with you for a cup of coffee. I drink tea, but you can have tea or coffee. Either's good. Right. Either way, <laughs> because right? I think that it's, yeah. it's worth it to have space for your story to be told. And the truth is I'm not that person, but I hope that someone in your life is Yeah. And go find them, go get a tea bag, go do a Starbucks run, go share. Yeah. Um, there, I believe there are people in your life who are willing to invest in you and see something yeah. inside of you that they want to nurture, dare to take that step of vulnerability. Um, you know, use wisdom, but your story is worth telling 
you don't have mm-hmm. to shield somebody else from the darkness. Like it's okay. Yeah. Um, the yeah, second well. thing that I would say is, you know, something I've really been thinking about a lot as I'm creating new content is victim is not your name tag. Mm. I think that we, I, I think I, we all struggle with identity and who are we? And it's really easy to think that the pain of our past is our name tag. Right. Where um, the things that we're struggling with right now is our name. Yeah. And I, I defy that lie. It's not. Your name is your name and your name is whole. Like your name can be whole and hopeful yeah. and, you know, beautiful and strong and a warrior. Like it, I don't say those as just fluff words. Like yeah. you can find who you want to be and you don't have to be defined by others' actions, others' words, yeah. by your own mistakes. Like you really can become who you want to be. And I can say on this side, it's worth it to go on that journey to switch name tags. And so I wow. hope that, I hope that you find it. Wow. Beautifully said, Cassandra. Thank you so much. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know you for got sure. a lot going on in your life, but thank you for being willing to share a portion of your story with us. Sure. And especially that beautiful message you just shared. And I hope everyone will go check out your website, changeyournarrative.org and reach out to you if they have a question. I'll obviously sure. uh, funnel people in your direction when I hear from them as well. But uh, thank, thank you. you so much for just being you. You really are an amazing person. You know, we have a mutual friend, David, who yeah, David Mead, we love you. Um, yeah, shout out. Yeah, shout out. But seriously, like, you know, he couldn't say enough good things about you. And now mm-hmm. I know why. So thank you. And, and like I said, I've thank gone you. through a lot of your material since the day you mailed it to me. And it's fantastic. And mm-hmm. so listeners, please check her out. And if you need resources and this and that, she's put together an extensive you know, resource list, not just from her herself, but other people as well. And it's just really neat what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share. It's great. You bet. Well, there you go, folks. Another amazing belief cast from another amazing person, Cassandra Smith. Um, Please share this with anyone you know that might be struggling with anything. Actually, Uh, this story, her story will inspire them to want to get help. And I just want to thank you guys once again for believing in me. And again, thanks. Thanks to all of you for continually believing in me as well. And until next time, take care.